You ready to go? Let's go. <laughs> the Living List is about going outside of the box. It's a movement. It's a hashtag. It's us and you executing all those things we always said we wanted to do. Ariel Dante. And I am Brittany Sierra, and this is The Living List. And welcome to season two of The Living List. If you're, ter- you're excited, we are excited. We should pause for some excitement. We're excited to be here. <laughs> if you're turning in for the first time, I encourage you to binge listen to season one so you can get to know us, get to know what The Living List is about, and you know how we do this. I'm, I'm ready to go straight into season two. Are you ready, Ariel? I am absolutely ready. Season two is going to be amazing. There's been so much that's happened since season one. So I'm so excited to share with you guys. Today's episode is really all about authenticity and really like, do you know yourself? Like how well do you know yourself? And have you actually taken the time to like dive deep and ask yourself those hard questions? A lot of times we're like, I know me, but it's like, do you really? Also, we're going to talk about the lies we tell ourselves. I'm going to be the first to say it. I absolutely tell myself lies because it protects us. It it makes us feel a little bit better about certain stuff. So we're definitely going to dive into that. And also about the agreements we create with ourselves. Now, I don't know if you guys read The Four Agreements, but The Four Agreements is a book that we're going to dive into throughout this episode. And there's rules and regulations that we create for ourselves. But like, are they our own? Are they by somebody else? So this episode is about disrupting and dismantling all of that. So let's hop into it. I am so down for everything here. Since you're down, we have to start our show off right. The center, the core of the living list, the the things that's pushing us to go and check off the things on our list, the I'm down challenge. Are you ready? Super ready. Okay, so you have your list all written out. But where is the plan? One, two, three, Take a task at random. Of course, the and we execute with intention. You down? I'm down. So I have my I'm down bowl. And also, I love the way our living listers create their own I'm down challenge bowls. They decorate them up. They inspire me. I need to decorate this one up. But let's see what Ariel's going to have to do. Ariel has to make a music video. I didn't even know this was on your living list. What? Oh my God. Okay, so I gotta scale back my seven day timeline. So actually, can we, okay. So it it can't be seven days to make a music video. So let me explain this living list thing, right? I've always wanted to do some sort of like sexy music video. I can't sing, but like a little like a fake music video. I've always wanted to do it. Um, And yeah, so. I have to come up with the concept. I know the concept, but I've always wanted to do a, like a dance to Lauren Hill's I Get Out because I feel like I'm in these boxes sometimes and I just want to do like a dirty dance to like I Get Out thing. I wanted to do it for my birthday anyway. Okay. It's been on my mind to do it for my birthday. Guys, my birthday's in September. So I got to plan a treatment. I got to learn how to dance and all of this stuff. <laughs> so uh, this has to be more of a long-term one, but definitely down to do it. So hold me to it for September. I think that's fair. That's fair. So you're going to make a video. You're not going to perform an original song. You're going to be like the video. I would be the video vixen or like the, I don't know. 
it's gonna be some type of music video. I gotta figure it out. I forgot I put that in there. Okay. But it's something I've always wanted to do and thought about. So <laughs> here we go. That's so crazy. I didn't even know it was on your list. I cannot wait to see this. Are we using September as your date for that? September will be my date for that before my birthday, like for my birthday as like a little trailer or something for my birthday. So I'm excited for that. I'm excited. And that's the thing about the living list. You put everything on there that you've always wanted to do, whether it makes sense in your professional life, your personal life, whether it's completely crazy, we're here to do the things we've always wanted to do. So this is something that I've had there. Brittany didn't even know. We basically talk about everything. <laughs> so, uh, yeah. And sometimes you'll be like, why wow, put that down? <laughs> but the thing is, you thought about it. You wanted to do it. So we're going to make sure you get to do it. I'm excited. And what better way to roll out your new year than to do something you always wanted to do for your birthday. I'm excited. Can't wait. Let's yep. see what the magic bowl pulls up. One thing about the living list, um, that bowl will call you to the table every single time. You're like, oh, I put that in there? Every right, single so. time. <laughs> this is a good one. You have to parent for one what week. What is it? Parent for one week. You got to take somebody's kid. You got plenty of friends with kids. I do. I do. Kingston, one of our listeners. Oh, my King King. Yes. So, so Brittany's friends call her. Yes. He's also my godson and he listens to the living list. He thinks that Ariel is also one of his friends. Um, yes, he will he recount so. all of the episodes and it is the cutest thing in the world. So I'm excited that we get another season for him. And I think that he'll be my child for a week. Kingston just turned nine. So I don't know. We have a couple of parents, actually quite a few parents that are part of our Living List community. I'm going to be asking you guys in our Insta stories for tips because a week is a long time. Is it a week or a weekend? A week. You put a week, honey. See? See? You got to be careful what you write down. You might just get it. <laughs> you yes, were real excited. <laughs> Woo, a week is a long time to be a parent. It is a long time. I mean, I'm sure forever is also a long time to be paid. That's a longer time. You want kids, right? This is a test. <laughs> okay. I'm. You know what? I'm down for the challenge. We talk about what we want out of life. A lot of times we talk about creating families and being parents. And, you know, that looks so many different ways. So I guess I'll get a crash course, a crash course with poor Kingston. Poor Kingston. You know, I actually want three kids. So do you think I should try it with three kids? You know, I'm not going to do that to any one's children. <laughs> so let's start with you parenting one. Okay. I like that Kingston's nine. You can't break anything. Pretty responsible. <laughs> he can like reel you in if you're not doing it right. So let's do Kingston. If it was a baby now, that would probably be super hard. Yes. So Thank God. you're lucky you have a nine-year-old. Okay. So over the next week, you guys will see my journey into motherhood. <laughs> okay, so the first thing we're going to talk about today is what are your personal agreements? You know, like, is the life you're living really your life, the rules you live by? Did you actually agree to them? A lot of times what I found, and I'm going through this right now, like, most people do not actually know who they are. We talked about that a bit in the intro, but like, do we actually know who we are and have we taken out the time? to ask ourselves the hard questions to really discover who we are and what we want. Really easy to be like top line. Oh, I know who I am. Do you feel like you know who you are, Brittany? I think that I always say that I know who I am. And I think 
maybe the core of me and high level, I know who I am, you know, like what type of character, my character, my traits. But I do think that, you know, as we've been going through this living list experience and as we've been living in general, that life has kind of exposed different wants, different desires, and what I needed to be was more open to the evolution process. You know, being free enough and truthful enough, speaking of the lies we tell ourselves, to say, you know, actually I'm evolving. And this thing that I thought that I wanted at six or 16 or 26 or six months ago, I don't want the same way. Or this thing that I thought that I didn't want, I actually do want, you know, and being open to saying that and open to changing, you know, just little characteristics about yourself that you always felt secure in. You know, I think that saying that I know who I am is one of those things that are like my security blankets. It's like, oh, I know who I am. This is who I am. And I think being open to change has brought a lot of positive things this past 12 months. And I'm excited to see, you know, what else. And I think that this journey that we're going on is definitely helping with that. Yeah, no, I could definitely agree. You know, I thought that if you would have asked me a year ago and be like, Ariel, do you know yourself? I would have been like, absolutely. But we are in like coronavirus. We're still in a pandemic. So this is the first time I spent so much time with myself. And I will say I actually thoroughly enjoyed it. Some parts were like, wait, 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 like, am I okay? You know, there were, Mm -hmm. there were moments where I'm like, am I okay? Cause I just feel like so off balance, Mm -hmm. but, um, it was a time to really get to know myself. So I think I know my core values and what I believe in and what's important to me. Right. But little things like my role in a relationship, who I actually am in a relationship. So recently I was talking to this guy and, um, I really had to like sit back and think for a minute. I'm like, wait, you haven't been in a relationship since your last relationship, which was seven years. And you were 22 when you got in that. Yeah. Who you were, your role at 22 is not who you are at 31. Yeah. And I realized that I wasn't super secure in that because now I haven't like evolved in the relationship space. I feel like I've evolved as a person, but the evolution didn't happen in the relationship space. So, um, And I learned that a lot of the agreements and thought processes that I had when it came to relationships really um, were from society, not Mm -hmm. necessarily myself. You know what I mean? Like love is this fairy tale thing and you have to struggle for love and, you know, like all that. But we'll hop into that a little bit later. Um, But I wanted to ask you that before we got into it. So a lot of what we're talking about is based on a book by Don Miguel Ruiz. Um, It's called The Four Agreements. So I don't know if you guys read it. Have you read it, Brie? I have. I read it based on your recommendation. If we're being completely <laughs> honest with our living listeners, Ariel was listening to the Audible. She was talking about it. She was she was living it. And, you know, having really good friends and friends that keep you accountable, she said, I think you should read this book. And she did. And I learned the four agreements. And, you know, I kind of evaluated okay, here's this agreement. Is this something that I agree with? Is this how I'm living? And it's been super helpful. Ariel, do you want to tell them the actual four agreements? Yeah. So the four agreements, um, one is be impeccable with your word. Two is don't take anything personal, which is a hard one for me. Um, Three is don't make assumptions. And four is always do your best. There's also a follow-up. Yeah, that fourth one, 
Um, is it something hard for you or something you like is good for you? I'm gonna be honest. I think that it's something that I've told myself that I do. But when I took time to evaluate myself, I was cheating, right? So it's, yes, I always do my best at this. So what I started to do, here's the thing about doing your best. When you do your best, it takes you to another level. And when you're in another level, you're competing on a whole different frame. And what I found when I really assessed always doing my best is that what I did is start to remove the levels of importance of certain things. I'm gonna give you an example. So I used to, not used to, I'm a journalist, right? I write, I would do on-camera interviews, red carpets, everything. I really enjoy it. I really enjoy telling stories. And I just got better and better at it, was in bigger and bigger arenas. And then at some point I decided that that's not what I wanted to do. And I wanted to do something else, but I really think that it was because I was afraid of what happens when I succeed and then have to go to a new level. And can I honestly compete? I really think that's what it was. So do I always do my best? Yes, that things that I know that I'm really, really good at without a shadow of a doubt. Other things, I feel like I don't, because if I did, I feel like I have these self-sabotaging characteristics that prevent me from doing my best. And we'll talk about it later, but yeah. On the surface level, I always do my best, but not really. I'm a procrastinator, so you can't possibly be doing your best when you're a procrastinator. And that's the big point of it. It's like, we, you can literally lie to yourself and not get anywhere or be like, girl, you know, you wasn't doing your best. Like, I swear I don't take anything personal. I If you if you ask me, I'm a great person, but- I mean, you are a great person. <laughs> thank you. But I'm like, I don't take things personal. I don't make assumptions. You know, me and Brittany had a conversation about that. Yes. Uh, what's that this weekend? Yeah. And I'm like, I'm like, you know, I was thinking it was about a guy and I was like, I was thinking this about him. Da, 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 da. And he said, I was making assumptions. It's not an assumption. If I asked him a question, she was like, but you were assuming to some extent. And I'm like, no, I wasn't. I was asking questions. <laughs> it's like you had a whole Olivia Pope scandal <laughs> timeline set up in your head. That's an assumption, honey. So yeah. But they're natural, right? And I feel like huh? that's part of life. I said, it's natural. And I feel like that's part of life. Like us, constantly evaluating our place and experience in this world, right? So it's fine. We're, and we're not perfect. You're going to assume sometimes. You're going to take something personal. You're not going to always do your best. And you're going to mess up with your word occasionally. But I think it's that effort of making sure that you can consistently try and do those four agreements is where you find the value. Absolutely. Um, you know, like even with be impeccable with your word, I think that that's something that I'm working on because I always have the best intentions of coming through. Mm -hmm. Always have the best, but sometimes I over promise, right? And I can't deliver. Mm -hmm. So I think I've gotten a lot better with that within the last three years or so. But maybe three years ago, I you like I would be like, oh, I'll do. Now I'm like, I sit back and I think about it first. And I'm like, can I do that? Can I deliver that to this person? Or I'm very quick to be like, you know, to manage your expectations. I'm not going to be able to get this back to you for two weeks. If you want it in two weeks, that's fine. But if not, I can't do it. I'm not your girl. Yeah. You know, so um, that's important. So there's another portion of the agree uh, of Don 
Miguel Ruiz, he wrote another book called The Fifth Agreement, and it's a follow-up to The Fourth Agreement book, and it's about um, questioning everything. And that's what we're doing now. We're kind of like pulling back the layers and questioning um, what our own agreements are and kind of like who we are in the world, whether it be personal, professional, um, you know, what your agreements or ideologies actually are. Did you agree to them? So as a follow-up, Don Miguel Ruiz, he also created this book called The Fifth Agreement. And The Fifth Agreement is about questioning everything. And that's kind of what we're doing here together, the Livingness community, myself and Brittany, we're workshopping and questioning who we are in different regards, whether it be, I mean, we're multi-layered people. We don't just do one thing, whether it be personal, professional, whether it be our love life, um, friendships, freedom in general, like freedom of doing what you want when you want to do, because we have power, but we forget that, and sex. So, um, yeah, I, 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 I be struggling. <laughs> I want to dive into this. Yes. I want to dive into this. So when we talk about, you know, what we think our societal habits, our societal norms, um, I think the first thing you said was love, right? So like with your idea of love, where are you with that? You know, now you're in your 30s. I can say that now. You're in your 30s, right? And she loves to keep me up. <laughs> <laughs> you're not. Oh, in your 30s is great. And, <laughs> you know, I just feel like I'm sure your idea of love has probably changed than what it was when you were eight, right? Or even 15 or even maybe 28. You know, you, you even talked about like you were 22 in your last relationship when it started. Right. And then that was seven years of still being that 22 year old young woman who's, you know, growing through a relationship. How has love changed for you? I feel like my idea of love has changed in the last literally three months. Um, I remember describing my idea of love to a guy I was talking to. And I'm like, you know, love is where you have um, your partner's heart in their hand and they could squish it if they want to. But you trust that they won't. And like, love should be balls to the wall. And I was like, had my heels in the ground on this def definition. And he was like, but why would you want to do that? I was like, no, because that's what love is. It's balls to the wall, you know? And I was like, um, I was like, you know, I feel like you're holding back. I feel like you're afraid. Like even like trying to force my definition on him. And then I read this book. It was called The Mastery of Love. And um, it's also by Don Miguel Ruiz. And I'm obsessed with him clearly. Um, but the book talks about, um, how love is accepting a person exactly who they are, where they are. And you go on this journey together as whole people two whole people, and you are able to leave as two whole people. Like your love isn't like codependency. Love isn't like, I, you know, I can't live without you. It doesn't have to be that. But I looked at like where I got this idea of like this sacrificial love from. And I looked at my parents' relationships, you know, they like did everything. You know, my mom sacrificed everything for my dad. And, you know, like there's a lot of th reasons why they could have or even should have <laughs> gave up, but they didn't. They're doing amazing now. So I'm happy they didn't, you know, because they're my parents. But they went through hell and back, honestly. And um, me seeing that growing up, I've kind of like adapted to that, like hell and back, like, you know, you ride out for your partner and things like that. And I realized I'm like, that's probably why I won. It took me so long to get out my last relationship. I remember being 
in the car and having this little voice tell me like, he's not the one, like two years in. But I'm like, am I, is the voice me? Am I making that voice happen? Or, you know what I mean? Like, cause there was things that like were amazing about him, but there were small areas where I just felt like I couldn't fly in regards to like my dreams and goals. And I didn't feel super free in the relationship. And in his book, he talks about that being an important part of love, feeling free to be 100% you and you've got both of your yous just aligned. And I was like, wow, that's such a better definition of love <laughs> than being like, no matter what, I'm a rat. You know, like you don't have to torture yourself. Love is supposed to be beautiful and pretty and love is different for everyone. But I had to realize that my definition of love can, can be adapted and I need to be open to that evolution. You know, so that's where I'm at. I love that. I think for me, like my idea of love has always been freedom, right? And I think similar to you, I got that definition from watching my parents, but I did the inverse of you. So, you know, I I always think the ideal in general is marriage and kids. I, I think that I think that is how it was supposed to go, should go, haven't quite decided. But that's one thing I always felt like, okay, this is this is the ideal path, but I was all, I always knew there were other paths as well, right? And from a young age, everybody will tell you, I wasn't sure I wanted either. Like I've never been the girl that was like naming my children and planning my wedding. Um, I've, I've told this story before, I would play with my cousins and we would have like this fake business and she would be my secretary. We were so young that it's crazy the things that you internalize. She would be my secretary. I was a lawyer who worked in uh, entertainment and the NBA, right? Like for the Lakers. And then um, at six o'clock every day, she would say, it's six o'clock. It's time for me to go home to my husband and kids. And I would say, okay. And I would go home to this big mansion with my dog. And I would call my boyfriend and I would say, where are we going today? I want to get on a plane, right? And it's so funny because like that wasn't the life that my parents were living. They were married. My mom will tell you for her, um, the best parts of her life are being a wife and a mom. Nothing compares to her for her. And I think also seeing that, like I saw that growing up, my dad, like I saw that, but to me, even though they seemed happy, something about it felt suffocating. I'm going to be completely honest. I never, hmm, from a young age, I never really felt that that was what I wanted to be. So, and this sounds horrible, devoted (laughs) to my kids and my husband. It just did not seem like what I wanted. And my mom looked very happy while she was doing it, but it just, it honestly felt suffocating to me. So at a young age to me, love was freedom. And I think that as years have gone on, I have tried to figure out what that means because there are things that I want. Like I would absolutely be an amazing mom. I would absolutely, you know, be an amazing partner. But I think that's when it comes to romantic love, that's what's important for me at this point, a partnership where I don't feel like I'm losing myself or my partner is losing their selves. I don't, I don't want us to be representations of ourselves. Like I just want to be us and it works. And I think that dating, that mindset has, 
yes, it has absolutely protected me, but I also think that it's blocked some things because if I really liked a guy, my fear, which was rare, honestly, and they usually honestly weren't the men I dated, but my fear was that I would lose myself, mm. you know? So there, the upside is that, yes, I always know that I want a partner and I want a freedom, but I do think the downside was I didn't put myself in a position to explore that. Mm. I just like to be in control of relationships. Like, I don't really like him. We have a great time. I enjoy time with him, but I know I won't get lost in him. That's the relationship for me. That's honestly, if I'm being completely honest, how I've operated in dating. Mm. Like I, ne- it was never somebody I wanted to spend the rest of my life with, but it was someone that I absolutely enjoyed, was an amazing partner to, absolutely was ride or die to for that phase, but I never wanted forever with any of them. And that's interesting. I I believe that, guys, um, because Brittany, you know, you if you've been listening for a while, she's mentioned very honestly that she's a control freak. And it's like, I was like, I had told her the other day, I'm like, Brittany, I think you're not dating because you want to control the situation and you don't want to be head over heels for anyone. Like, you want to always have the power. And some parts of love, you do slip into this weird space of like, this person has some sort of like ownership over your emotions. You know, mm-hmm. like, which it's a hard balance because if you're so, you know, enthralled in someone, it's like, oh, they might get ownership of my emotions. But I think that's also an important part. What I've been learning in my journey is how you have to be so solid in yourself that mm-hmm. like, I think the more solid you are in yourself, the less you can get lost. I, exactly. I definitely found myself in my past relationship, you know, I would put my my foot down about a lot of things, but little implantations of ideas of like, oh, I don't like the way you dress. I wouldn't be like changing the way I dress for him. Like it would never be like, oh, I don't want you to wear that. And I'm like, okay, I'm going to change. I would be like, why? You know, I would fight back, fight back, fight back. But then like, I found myself like looking at different outfits, be like, oh, he'll like this. Let me wear, it. you know, like in a like, oh, this is like, I don't mind doing this, but like, was that necessarily the right thing to do? You know, because I don't, need someone to tell me what to wear you're not buying my clothes (laughs) you know what I mean yeah so yeah that's very interesting um that's a hard one honestly and it's something to work through right and this is why we're on this journey and it's why these four agreements was like a really good kickoff point for this because it is taking an honest assessment at not only what you believe but what do you actually do and then why do you believe and do these things Because I think ideally trusting myself and my gut and my knowledge of who I am is all that I need in going into a relationship. The extra control I don't need because here's the thing, even with me not being head over heels for these people, I still compromised at times a little bit more than I should have, you know? So the thing that I was trying to prevent, I might've prevented on this side of the coin, but the other side of the coin is that there was something else that probably shouldn't have happened that did transpire that honestly I could have, in the future, I would love to spend that time and that learning process with something that is a little bit more for the future, you know, not just in this moment in time. Absolutely. I think that's a part of us, like when we're dating, being as like 100% authentic and who you are in every single moment, you know? Um, I also found myself like 
almost assimilating into the role of like what a good woman should be, you know, mm-hmm. like, oh, let me cook. Let me wash these dishes. I don't feel like washing my own dishes. You know what I mean? But like, I, I also am like someone who likes to care for the people that I love. So I might do things for the people that I love that I wouldn't do for myself. Now I'm not doing nobody's laundry. So I will cook for you because <laughs> I don't do my own laundry and I won't be doing yours either. We will take it out to a laundry service and we will handle that. I think there's better time spent than laundry. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, that's just me. It's lo- those little things, you know, I'll spend all day cleaning my house, but like the laundry part is just a no for me. But everybody, and this is a beautiful thing about life. Everybody's allowed to have their own rules. What's important yeah. to you may not be important to me and that's okay. Um, but yeah, I think I, what I would encourage the living list community to do when you're kind of going through kind of, when you're evaluating your ideas of love, really sit back and think like, does this sit well with my gut? Does my mm-hmm. gut tell me, do I feel comfortable with this idea of love? You know, if you're a woman who never really wanted to get married, if that's really what you want, you just want to travel the world. That's okay. I know your grandma is probably like, well, baby, don't I need some grandkids or your mom is like, are you crazy? You need a husband. But like, we are allowed to do exactly what we want. So, you know, this is what the life's journey is about. Oprah, look at Oprah, never had children and said that I would not have been able to make it where I was if I were to have children. And that's a real thing. What is the most thing, what's most important to you? You know, um, and that's kind of what I'm evaluating daily. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So love. That's what we got on love. So what about friendships? Like your ideas of friendships. Do you feel like you are comfortable with those ideas of friendship of what you've seen and what society tells you a friend is versus um, who you are as a friend? Well, I think that friendship and romance or love go hand in hand for me. I feel like I know what I want and I live it to its core, but I, I have readjusted, especially recently, like what I consider friendship to be. I think that, you know, part of that ride or die that you have in romance, you also bring to friendships, right? And I think that as a kid, young adult in my thirties, friendship was a forever thing for me. And I am reevaluating that. And I, I think that friendship can be seasonal. And even if the seasonal is evergreen and forever, I don't want to force anything that does not fit. So I think that my idea of friendship has changed in the sense of, you know, I've, I've said this before, um, I like to be in control. It's hard for me to let go of things. It's hard for me to let go of people. But being comfortable with letting go of anything, including a person that does not serve me and I do not serve them. It's not healthy. You know, when, like a plant, right? When plants are dead, they're dead. You can try and revive it. If it revives, great. If it doesn't, like you go ahead, you uproot it, you move it, right? And there's no hostility to this dead plant, right? Like you're not mad. This is, you might be a little sad that the plant's no longer here, but this is a part of life. And I'm trying to apply that to everything. You know, I'm trying to be as nature intended in all of my relationships, my romances, my friendships. And I think that that part of understanding that people are not yours to possess forever, whether it's romance or friendship, is something that I'm learning specifically about friendship. 
right? Because I think that sometimes growth is looked at in like a very linear way, right? And that if you're growing and I'm growing, then, you know, this plant is just getting bigger and bigger and it's gonna be great, right? But like sometimes growth is not linear and sometimes it's spirally, sometimes you know, this limb is growing here and this limb is growing at a much slower rate or they're growing in different directions. And I think that normalizing being okay with that without it being an issue is the biggest lesson that I've learned in friendship and growing, right? Because those four agreements are agreements that you have with yourself. But for me, they're also agreements that I want with the people in my life. So not only do I want to be impeccable with my word, I want for my friends to be impeccable with their words. I want for me not only to not take what Ariel says to me personally and to be able to receive it and say, okay, wait, there's truth in here. Let me process this and come back. But I want Ariel to be able to do that to me as well. You know, all of these things that we, I want for myself, I want to be able to have in my friendships. And I think that it's an unfair expectation that everyone in your life that you care about is going to be able to give that back. So I think the natural thing that I'm learning is to know when to say, okay, maybe this friendship in its current state isn't a priority for me. The love is there, but the friendship is not. Does that make sense? No, it makes total sense. I think that when we're young, we grow up with this like best friends forever, you know, cut the hand, put the blood together, (laughs) catch up sisters, whatever it's called, you know? And um, we grow up with that idea. But then when you get older, you realize like, hey, people evolve at different rates. Some people Mm -hmm. will evolve to level 10. Some people will only make it to level five. Some people will go to 15 or 16 and be that 1%. You don't know when you pick your friends when you're younger, where everyone's going to pan out, right? Mm -hmm. And it's important for us to continue to evaluate our friendships as they are. We don't want to assume anything about any friendship, you know? longevity yeah. does not mean it's the best friendship for you you know I when I think about relationships I think of like ebbs and flows and like constantly like elevating each other elevating each other and if I want a relationship I want that constant elevation whether it be from a friend whether it be mm-hmm. from a relationship whoever that is we should always be giving and taking and giving and taking and increasing together and if it's not that it could be a friendship and I know it's just a surface level friendship but I'm not really a surface level person, you know, like I'm very like, I want to get to the nitty gritty. I want to be able to talk my truth to you. You talk your truth to me. We don't not need to mince words or, or fluff them up and put them in a pretty bow. We can have honest conversations because that's where I'm at in my life. I don't, I spend a lot of time, you know, like, like doing things and things like that. So now I'm like, at this point in my life, I'm like, I'm going to say what I want. I want to be only really talk to people who can say what they want. And I don't want you to take it personally when we do that because we're friends. We love each other. We should be able to have dialogue without it being a, you know, a World War III. So I think that, you know, I've learned that as well. And I think it totally makes sense what you're saying. Like, you know, you've grown in certain areas and certain friendships don't serve you in the way they used to. um, And and that's okay. Yeah. It's just a maturity to like realize like, oh, hmm, we're not, it's not there anymore, you know? So it, it happens. It's life. They say that if you leave life with three good friends, it's a blessing. And I'm mm. really kind of starting to realize that because everybody is not going to be for every time. And that doesn't mean you have to X your friends off. If they're not toxic, 
if it's good to catch a drink, you know, and every month or, but you, the people you talk to every single day, you have to hold that sacred. Mm-hmm. You have to hold that sacred because that's deciding who you are. Energy is transferred. Whether you want to believe yeah. it or not, if you have a complainer friend and all they do is complain and all they do is be negative, you're going to find yourself, am I complaining now? Am I complaining? You know? Yeah. My favorite example is like if a kid goes out and they have a white suit on and the dog is dirty, who's going to get messed up? The kid. Mm -hmm. The dog's not going to get white from hanging with the kid. (laughs) You know what I mean? He's going to get dirty. He's going to be all effed up. So like you have to protect that bubble, your bubble. You own it. You have, you have yeah. the right to protect it at all costs. So Yeah. And then I also think it's so funny because my friend Loren said this a couple of weeks ago and she was like, we were just talking about relationships in general, whether they're romance and friends. And she was like, you know, you're a giver. So you have to make sure that it's a symbiotic relationship, no matter who you're dealing with and not parasitic. Because I... What happens is if I'm just giving and giving and you're taking and taking, I've always thought of it as like the green mile. Like I've shared this with Ariel before, like I really am an empath, right? So in general, like energy transference, we all experience that, but like, it'll really physically tire me out. I will look different. I will act different. I will be exhausted. And if I am always giving and you're just taking it, but not giving it back, it makes it very hard on me. And that even goes with like careers. It's any relationship I have. Like I absolutely need to give back in order to feel nurtured. And I think that being okay with that's who I am and needing it back and saying that I need it back is definitely a part of this journey too. And my agreements with myself, like being okay with saying, Hey, I don't need to be this proverbial strong person whether it's friend or woman or partner, like it's okay for me to express from people that I care about that I need things back. And I think that that is how friendship is evolving for me. You know, some people are just naturally givers too, right? So take Ariel and that, for example, she's going to give. So like, even though I'm a giver and let's say I may not speak up, Ariel by nature is going to give back. But it's also on me that if Ariel was not a giver by nature, for me to say, I need this, and then to see if she can give it to me. If she does, great. We have an even better friendship. But if she cannot, after I've expressed, I need this too, then I think that like that plant, I'm, I'm learning to be okay, like saying it's dead, digging it up gently, peacefully, without malice, you know, take what I can from the plants, maybe a seed or the lesson on how to treat it and continue moving. Mm -hmm. And I think that that's, that's a good place to be in. And I'm like, very honestly proud of myself for that. And it's something that I want to spread to all of my relationships, romantic, professional, being able to say, this is what I want, seeing if this is what I get, evaluating if I still need it, and peacefully and without malice, putting it to the side and moving on, you know? Yeah, the best, the one of the best things that I um, really enjoyed you saying is like, without malice. It doesn't, mm-hmm. I used to think that if a breakup happens, it has to be traumatic or like something has to happen. It can be like, hey, not right now, you know? Yeah. It could really be, and I'm like, I'm like, so learning that and so comfortable in that 
it could be, you know what? Let's take a step back. And it really could be nothing personal on anyone's end. It could really be like, you know what? I really like you, but uh, not right now. That's a relationship. And a friendship, it could be, you know, you know what? You, we have an amazing fun time together. But as far as my T-Mobile five, top five, uh, you know, Facebook or MySpace, Fave Fives, whatever, I don't think I have to put you in that box, you know, like, and that doesn't have to be a conversation because everybody can't handle it, right? Um, you don't want to hurt someone's feelings and be like, oh, you're on the sixth tier. <laughs> but it's like, you, it's okay. It's so it can be, it can be peaceful. You just, you operate how you want to operate. That person has to accept it because they don't have control over you. You don't have control over that. Um, yeah. No, it's definitely interesting. You were going to say something? I think one thing that helps me in like avoiding those awkward and maybe hurtful conversations, because even though one of the agreements is don't take things personally, we're humans, we take things personally. I think what I've done is just, you know how people say match energy? I don't do that, but I do match effort, Yeah. right? So if somebody is giving me their all, and honestly, when I started doing this was during the pandemic, and I've noticed how my time with people has shifted when I started matching effort versus just giving because people that like I didn't really spend that much time with or see that often, I talk to so much more because like their effort, it's like, how, how, was I ignoring this all this time? And it's not like subconsciously I was just doing it because again, you just get used to, I think a certain like rigmarole, right? A certain process that you just always do. But when I started matching effort, it was like, wow, like this person spends a lot of time in checking in on me or really talking to me in a way that I've expressed that I like to be talked to or valuing certain things that I've expressed are important to me. So let me make sure that I match that. Like I shouldn't let that just go to the side. Like mm -hmm. I need to match that. And when I did that, I noticed that I spent more time with people that uh, wanted the same things that had that more symbiotic flow and it's honestly been great <laughs> yeah I've been in a space of of trying to um I'm in between I want to do things for people without expecting anything back you know mm -hmm. like I I want to do things because I enjoy it and I want you to react in the way that you feel is natural if your natural mm -hmm. reaction is not to on a consistent basis give that back I'm like okay now let me reevaluate you know mm -hmm. um so it's it's a balance that I'm trying to find between the conversation. Cause I don't want to force you, you know, like, um, I don't want to force you to be someone you're not because eventually you're going to disappoint me because you're not that person. You know, yeah. like if you're super selfish by nature, I can't make you not selfish. I can talk to you about it, but that visceral reaction to be selfish until you don't want to be a selfish person. I don't have the power to change that. So I have to reevaluate how I, I'm the only person I control. So, you know, mm -hmm. friendships are, are an interesting thing, but when, as we are in our thirties, um, we do <laughs> realize thirties are my favorite thing. I don't want anyone here to get it misconstrued. I am enjoying my thirties. It's been the best time. I'm 31. Um, it's been the best time, the year I've spent in it, the two years, I guess I spent in it. It's been the best time because, you know, I think the moment you can stop giving an F, the quickest you can get to stop giving an F about anything, anyone or anybody outside of like what you want, who you are, 
is the quicker your life will be amazing. I and that and that's where I'm trying to get with it. You know, that doesn't mean be an evil person. That doesn't mean you know step over people. I don't give a f. But like, what do you want? If you don't if you don't want to spend happy hour with this guy every single day, and he's he's not your bro like that anymore, you don't have to. And that's the beauty yeah. of life in the 30s for me. Okay, another thing we wanted to talk about was um, as women, like our womanhood. Yeah. You know, um, I definitely, I, I think I've definitely had some implantation as a woman. I think women in general, we have the, all of these societal norms about us. We have to be good. We, um, and, it, and, it, and it seeps into sex for me, you know, like not really owning your sexual power. Because as a woman, you know, I, I grew up to be a good girl, you know, like you don't want to be like considered like a hoe or a slut or, you know, so you don't want to be looking for whiskey You don't want to be, you know, acting certain ways that someone would think that you are a promiscuous woman. I always talk about dancing, how that is like such a trigger point for me. And me and Brittany had a conversation the other day and I was like, I was like, you know, um, I just never danced because when I was younger, even people in my own family would try to like act as if I was like fast or I was a certain type of way, you know, I was a virgin. I was a certain type of way because of my body shape. And now growing up, I'm like, they were definitely haters because their butts were flat. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like, why are you hating on this 13 year old little girl? But that's another story. Um, but you know, yeah, it, as a woman, I feel like there's so much pressure of who you're supposed to be. And I've realized that's coming up, come up for me in dating a lot. I think as I, as I navigate as a woman in the world, I'm very much more grounded as a woman in the world versus a woman in relationships. I think that's the, the hard part for me because it's mm-hmm. that like visceral reaction to be a good woman. And I'm like, mm-hmm. you know, get rid of that. Let's, let's throw that out. Let's be, let's be a little slutty when we can. <laughs> Listen, I'm I'm down for a good slut out, okay? <laughs> <laughs> and what is slut? Doing owning your body and your sexual freedom, is that a slut or is that what someone told us? That's another story. I think that with at a young age freedom being so important to me and kind of like knowing what freedom or defining freedom for myself at a very very young age, the womanhood thing um, never really seemed like a burden, right? Like for me, womanhood, like I just had such, I think about my mom and my granny and I didn't really grow up with like my aunts or whatever. Like Mm -hmm. my mom didn't have sisters. And I just feel like womanhood was like this fun thing. It was like a source of power, right? It was where, someone may underestimate you but all along like you're really the one controlling the strings that's just what womanhood always meant to me and I think that having that idea of womanhood from a very young age helped me a lot because when you get into the world womanhood feels differently like it it still feels like you're secretly in charge (laughs) and it still feels uh, strong and confident. But what it also feels sometimes is like you have to adjust it. That you have to dim the the dowel of womanhood, right? Like you have to adjust it on the situation for me. So for example, um, in the entertainment industry, again, I 
have been in it in so many different levels and facets of it. And one thing I had to, I didn't have to do, one thing I felt I had to do, which I did not, um, when I was in the entertainment journalism side of it is turn down the sexy, turn down the attractiveness, always be super professional. Don't let them think that you're flirting with them. Mm -hmm. If they flirt, absolutely don't even smile back because you don't want any problems because then that's going to be the reason, right? That's always going to be the reason. And on the flip side of that, even dating, I've dealt with guys that got absolutely insecure about some of the places I would be and the people that I would be with especially when, cause they, they're not there. You know what I mean? Like I'm one of those people I that know. absolutely separate my professional life from my romance. And if there's an event, I don't care if it's at 8 PM and I'm used to living my own life and I don't need a plus one, but if I do bring a plus one, it's going to be someone that's going to help me maneuver in that space. That's someone I have to cater to. Right. Which means that Oftentimes my partners didn't go, right? I'm not inviting you because you're a distraction. Um, and it would be an issue sometimes when I got back home, right? Like, oh, so you did this, that, and the third. And what were you doing? You guys were in a hotel room. Why were you in a hotel? I was in a hotel with 15 other people. Like, right. It's not that serious, right? And then also, and I guess this is kind of where the womanhood and sex kind of come together for me. Again, I, I do think I had a very strong base on like sex being about freedom and choice from a very young age and not freedom in the sense of have sex with everyone, because that's just not something your father tells you when he's telling you about sex. Right. But in that it's always my choice. It wasn't like a romanticized thing for me. It was always presented with readiness choice, biology, and marriage in mind. You know what I mean? So I think that helped me navigate, you know, being a woman with sex. But what again, when you get pushed out into the real world, I think that's when things are a little different. And you have to learn to experience what womanhood and sex is and control them and define them for yourself. And I think that I'm just in this phase of life where womanhood and sex are hand in hand and I want to be authentic with those if I want to flirt flirting is fun okay and Ariel has heard me say a million times I'm not a flirt and she's looked at me like I'm crazy right like you're absolutely a flirt and I'm like no because at some point what used to be fun and powerful to me became a scarlet letter right like because you flirt then you deserve this or, oh, I didn't know you wanted to do this because you flirted with me. And like my mind just could not comprehend something that always was a symbol of strength and power now being like a weapon used against me. Yeah, no. And I just, Go ahead, I'm sorry. No, and I just want to, you know, bring that back too. No, I can relate to you. I mean, I think adding women in the entertainment industry is an additional layer. Um, I've been in the entertainment industry for, I want to say like, this is my 12th year at this point. Mm -hmm. When I first started out, I started out in the entertainment. No, this is like, I started when I was 19 and I'm 31. So yeah, 13th year, lucky 13. Um, so <laughs> when I started out so much of what you said, um, I would, I remember um, one of the first celebrities that I met, I remember 
walking in the room and I was like, hi, how are you? The bathroom is that way. Like literally a robot because I, I don't want anybody to think I'm a groupie. So I'm going to be a robot. And how unfair is that? Because my male counterparts, the male interns, will be all up in the situation, laughing, joking. I wanted to be a personality, mm -hmm. yet I wasn't allowed to show my personality because I'm flirting, I'm this, I'm that. No matter how exactly. much I was like a robot, I still got put in bad positions. I never forget. I tell the story a lot. I was in the studio one day, and this radio host was on air. And um, I think it was the clips that came in. The clips came in, and they were like, asking me to take a picture with them and I'm like no I don't want to take a picture I'm working right now they're like come on take a picture literally asked me four times to take a picture of me at that point I'm like they're guests of the station let me not be rude on the next talk break I'll go in the hallway very quickly take them out take a picture and walk right back in right because now the, now these are guests that are asking me to do this the radio host is there, isn't saying anything, isn't interjecting. So I'm like, well, maybe I'm the one overthinking it. Let me just take a picture with them. So I take a picture with them. I literally walk out in the hallway, boom, boom. Uh, didn't even speak to them outside the picture. I said, are you guys good? Okay, great. Back in the studio where I go. As soon as they left, immediately the host pods up her, her um, airways. And it's like, I want to talk about groupies who don't know they're groupies. And That's I was ridiculous. like ridiculous and as an older as a woman who's like probably her age now I'm so disgusted by it because instead of mentoring this young woman who clearly is not trying to be a groupie at all you you use that opportunity to try to downplay her right and I was so lucky to have an older woman in the building who, who's my mentor lady B um I'll always be so forever grateful for her because she taught me how to like navigate in the entertainment industry she pulled me to the side and she was like, Ariel, come here. She's like, you're not working with that girl no more. She was like, if anybody's a groupie, she's a groupie. And she was like, she's jealous of you and don't go back with her. Because what she said was not true. And I was like, I know, I didn't even do anything. She was like, you're a pretty girl. And she's like, they're going to treat you like that, no matter what mm -hmm. you do. So don't think it's you, you know? And things like that continuously happen. I remember there was this other guy trying to talk to me, trying to talk to me. And I literally was like, no. I was an intern at the time and I'm like, leave me alone. I don't want to talk to you. I remember he taking he, him taking me out on an event. You know, I was supposed to be working and him pulling over and getting a sushi so we can watch the sunset. Like he <laughs> beasted me into a date. And I'm like, and he and I'm like, no, leave me alone, right? And I remember I, I rejected him on several occasions and an artist was in the studio and he texted me and told me I was a groupie. And I'm like, Oh, I, I'm a groupie because what? Because I'm an attractive woman. I'm just standing here. So in the entertainment industry, people, you know, it'll be, whether it be men who are rejected by you, who um, want to put you in a box, whether it be men who will not take, literally will not take you seriously because they, you know, have their own things with them and mm -hmm. they just want to be predators. They're yeah. going to judge you and talk about you regardless. Now, don't be doing too much. Professionalism is key. You still have to be professional just because you're in the entertainment industry. It doesn't mean you can't, you don't have to be professional, but be yourself, but in a professional way. Don't dim your light for, um, for those around you because that's what they want, right? And half the time they're jealous. Uh, so yeah, um, I definitely can relate to that. For me, in terms of growing up, I didn't grow up knowing my power as a woman. 
you know, my mom was very, my mom is the smarter one in the relationship. Sorry, dad. <laughs> my dad would say that too. They're smart in different ways, but my mom is very smart, but she's like super like overly humble with it. Like she doesn't, you know, like she's one of those super smart people who like don't act like it, you know, which is a, I think it's a beautiful thing because, you know, I, but like sometimes you got to flex up, right? You have to like, know your work. <laughs> So I grew up with a very submissive mom and um, very much so like she was a smarter one, but my, but always willingly gave the powers to my father. You know what mm -hmm. my dad, she would love to be like, well, ask daddy, ask daddy. And I don't even think my dad demanded that. It was really her like, ask daddy, ask daddy, mm -hmm. like just giving away her power. She was comfortable with that. She almost, it seemed like liked it. And yeah. um, that's what I grew up around. So I didn't really realize till I got older how powerful it is to be a woman. You know what I mean? What the special power that you have, whether it be just in relationships or power in sex. Now, I didn't talk to my mom about that. I'm, I don't know who had the power there, but um, <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So it's definitely interesting with being a woman in that way. It's, 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 a, it's a dynamic I love. I love being a woman. It's one of my favorite things. I would not want to be a man. Mm -hmm. Although we have our unique struggles, um, I love being a woman because we can be so powerful and be so tender. We can be so diverse. Um, and I do yeah. that. And makeup. <laughs> and makeup. Yes, being a woman is definitely, like, I think it's, I've never felt burdened by being a woman. And I think that, that that's a powerful thing. Um, it's funny, though, because you mentioned sex. Yeah. So I'm curious for you, where did your ideas of sex come from? And, you know, had they changed? And if so, how and why? Um, I think it's the sex is still that good woman thing. Like, be a good girl, you know? I grew up super religious. Um, no sex before marriage. No even, like, dating. And, you know, it was very, like, very strict um, in regards to sex. So I grew up with that. I grew up with a very um, controlling father very like crazy you know I remember one time I had a UTI and I had uh, uh B2K pictures all over my room my dad thought because I had a UTI for some reason that I was having sex even though my mom asked the doctor and he was like no you can get a UTI for tons of things some people just get them like it's not anything related to sex always right but my dad still was like she's having sex he came in that room and he ripped down all my B2K posters, like acting like, like as if B2K guy gave me the UCI personally. Like, <laughs> just to give you an example of my father. So, you know, like I would go to the store and buy like an outfit instead of my father being like, oh no, I don't want you to wear that. We're taking it back. I remember my dad cutting up this brand new skirt. And I'm like, daddy, <laughs> we could take it back. He was like, no one needs to wear this skirt. <laughs> they saving the world by cutting up this skirt so just to give you an example of like the household that I grew up in it was very yeah. like you know be a good girl so I think my ideas of like sex it was never like you know if you want to I never had the conversation of you know here's a condom if you want to have sex just make sure you're protected it's like no when you get married and you meet someone you're in love with you have to have, that's when you have sex. So I've always correlated sex with love, but I've learned as I got older that sex does not necessarily correlate with love. Like you don't, you can have, you can own your sexual power without it being in a situation of love. You know, it's separate things. It's beautiful when they align, 
you know, that, yeah, that's the best sex, right? When, when you are in love with somebody and then you're, you're having that intimate moment and then you allow sex and love to, to whatever that word is, <laughs> me. <laughs> sex to, to me. Yeah. When you allow sex and love to me, um, that's beautiful. Right. But it doesn't have to be on the same playing field. So um, even, you know, just being like more dominant in the bedroom, I feel like my power wise, like I, I would be like submissive, but there will be desires that I've had. And I'm like, even this year, I'm like, wait, you have the power over what you want. If you have a desire, go out and do that, baby girl. Like if that person's not down with it, okay, cool. Next. You know what I mean? Like, don't be afraid to be expressive and with your desires and act out on them. So. Yeah. Mm. How about you? I um, hmm. I think that we all get our first, I guess, relationships with sex from our parents. And my parents, again, they were like, hey, you know, sex is something that you do when you're ready and you really love someone and you're married, right? But there was something that they said in there that like definitely put the element of choice and readiness in there, right? And I think also because my dad is the one who had the sex conversation with me. So we never really had like a birth control conversation, never have had a condom conversation other than what they're used for, right? But the door seemed to always be open. Um, so the reason why we even talk about sex is because I was super young. I was in kindergarten. I did not finish the year of kindergarten. So I never really went to kindergarten. I completed it. So I was in kindergarten and it was an elementary school. I was outside. This boy pulled his penis out. He was older than me. And I was so disgusted. And I've always like kind of told my parents everything from a very young age. So I went home and I snitched so hard. It probably was the second week of school. Snitched so hard. So my dad then had the conversation. Okay, that was his penis. He had no right to show that to you. You see penises when you're married and they're for sex. <laughs> sex is something that you do when you want kids and you want to show your husband that you love him. <laughs> like These are the conversations he's telling me at like four, right? So it's like, okay, you know, I'm just listening. Okay. And that, cause I knew that I was upset by seeing that boy's penis. You know what I mean? Like I knew that it's not what I wanted. And my dad, you know, really handled it pretty well. My mom, I don't remember her being a part of that conversation. And I don't remember her reaction to that. Just my dad's. Um, he definitely was, you know, the forerunner in the sex conversations. So then when I tell y'all, I never went back to kindergarten. I just started first grade at a whole different school. Like I never finished that <laughs> year of school. You were traumatized. <laughs> They were not, it wasn't like, I'm pretty sure I could have went back to school, but my parents were just not having it. Like, if you guys can't watch her, cool, we got her. Yeah. She'll be at first grade at a whole different school, right? But what it did was I felt empowered, I think, at a young age about like the biology of sex. Like, if I don't want that, I don't have to say yes, you know? Mm -hmm. And I think that that was good because for the most part, I've never had sex when I didn't want to have sex. 
you know, and if something didn't feel right, I have been comfortable saying this is not right, or I don't want this, or if something has happened that I did not want, being able to express, I did not want to do this. I felt disrespected when, right? And it has also, though, I think, made it easier for me to say what I do want, right? Because I feel like if you could tell somebody what you don't want, tell them what you do want sometimes when it comes to sex, it's just so much easier. Um, I also felt like part of that control thing, like when I decided to have sex, it was literally a decision. It wasn't, no one made it for me. Um, it wasn't like, oh my God, I think we're going to get married. I, you know, and I had like some sort of cloud around my head. Like it was a very level-headed decision. I'm like, I want to do this. And the guy was like, are you sure? And I was like, yeah, like, I just want to do it because I want to know what it's like. He was like, I don't know how I feel about it. He felt like he was being used mm-hmm. and I'm like, okay, but like, this is what I want. And he was like, are you going to be my girlfriend after this? I was grown. I was like, no, (laughs) like, I'm not going to be your girlfriend. I want to know what sex is like. I want to know. I trust you. Let's do it. We did it. Um, And I knew what it was like, you know, like I I was very intentional too, because I heard that this guy was great with sex. (laughs) You're like, let me try a good one for the first time. Right. I'm like, okay. Everyone says you're great. Um, you, you've come highly recommended. Um, Your Yelp and Google reviews are yes. <laughs> the dick facts rate you a 9.5 out of 10. All right. So <laughs> that's literally the way I did it. And I think that when it comes to sex, I know that I've had an easier road than some people do. You know what I mean? Like, again, for the most part, every single time I've had sex has been because I wanted to. Um, and when it wasn't, I was very clear with those people even afterwards, like this was a violation. I did not like this, you know? Um, And then, I don't know. I do think I had this weird thing with sex too though. Um, Again, I'm just a control freak. And I don't know. I also like to use it as a weapon. Like I find a lot of power in not having sex with people. I'm going to be completely honest. And it's, I'm comfortable with it. Like I enjoy <laughs> saying no to people. <laughs> I feel like you said, a, you said a lot. So one, like, I feel like it's definitely good that you had the relationship where you like never had like an instance where like you were put in a position where you had sex that you didn't want to. I can well, not- I have. Okay. Yeah. But like, again, I addressed it with them too. Yeah. 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 For, yeah. Yeah. But so for me, I feel like I've definitely been in situations where I've had sex where I didn't want to like, you know, like my first experience with sex, like was not uh, a yes. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. But outside of that, like when I became like of age and like learned what sex was, like I could definitely say um, I would be like, you know, no, when I wanted to say no. I think my problem with submissiveness would be more so in like after I say the yes acting on like the things that I wanted to do sometimes like I was sometimes I would have like judgment on myself like was this too nasty like you know what I mean <laughs> like oh you nasty girl why would you want to do that like we can't we're not gonna do that no 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 you know so I have to be like extremely comfortable with the person that I'm with to be act on like my true desires you know and it also mm-hmm. takes somebody who's like open-minded to be like oh okay like girl like all right girl let's do it you know so <coughs> 
sorry. Um, that's, <laughs> that's important to me. Um, yeah. Sex. I mean, I honestly don't use sex as a weapon too much. I feel like I like to have sex when I like to have sex and like it would be weaponizing against myself. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that's not something I necessarily do, but I, I'm sure it's an amazing Which is weapon. great. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, I'm guessed with like people I don't like really like, but if I like you and like, I feel like it, like, let's go. You know what I mean? So. Yeah. Yeah. I see that. Um, I don't know. Because here's the thing. I, when we talk about like the whole slut thing, right? I feel like to me, the only sex that is bad sex is sex that you don't want or sex that you're doing to get something from someone else in the sense of like emotionally, right? But like, if you want to have sex, I think you should absolutely have sex. I I think that's the ideal thing. And also I will say the best sex that I've had have come from or with people that like I really cared about and who really cared about me in some way, shape or form, right? Like that connection. And that's how I know that like, ideally the type of sex that I want to have is sex in a marriage right because I think that that like love and respect or some sort of like committed partnership is like it does heighten the sexual experience for me you know like I really I cannot and I I would love to learn how to do this but like it's just not me I can't really have sex with people that I don't um enjoy enjoy as people yeah so something for me that I kind of always look at like is that the truth with is like when women are like oh I not that you can't I mean it's weird to have sex with somebody that you don't enjoy like to have sex with somebody you hate like but it's not because people do it all the time and really enjoy it I mean I feel like for most people it should be a level of like you're attracted to this person something like something I mean yes but you can be attracted to a complete douchebag right exactly so but when people are like you know I have to have a connection with somebody to have sex do you really are you saying that because you feel like you don't want to look like a slut and say I just wanted some dick you know what I mean like I think you know what's funny I just feel like I rarely hear people say that I feel like I hear people say that a lot you know I just really yeah and I'm like and for some people it could be true but I don't always believe it because I'm like I feel like that's that like good girl, like, oh, I need to say this to make myself feel good. But like, do mm. I really believe it? I hear I hear tons of women say that. And I'm like, I'm gonna be honest. I enjoy sex better when I have a connect. Like the deeper the connection, the better the sex is for me. I think that makes sense. But to say I cannot unless I'm in love or in a relationship with this person, I question it. Oh yeah. No. So I could definitely have sex with people I'm not in a relationship with or in love with because I'm not in love with anyone. And, um, <laughs> but I do think like the deeper the connection, the better the sex is for me. Yeah. I think that, I think that is, I think that, you know, that's kind of natural, but then there's those outliers who just know how to slay. And all that, you know, I think that's okay. Cause I mean, honestly, like I'm due for a good slut out. Like I just want to really, <laughs> really enjoy like some amazing sex because I'm not having sex. And you know, while I would love for, I'm, you know how people are waiting for things and some people it's like a religious thing or some people it's a marriage thing and not necessarily religious, but like a commitment thing. It's none of those things for me. It's just, I want to, uh, have sex with someone who 
one, I feel like is a good partner. And two, if I were to get pregnant, I wouldn't be like, shit, this is the father of my kid. Right. Like, honestly, like at this point, this is where we're at. I'm in my 30s, like too old for an abortion. Um, and it's not my first choice. So it's like, you know, I got to be like, all right. So I have to control myself. And honestly, this guy the other day asked me, I'm not sure if I told you or Monique this. I think it was Monique. Asked me, was I sexually attracted to him? And I am dating him, right? And, but I'm like dating, my plan is to date multiple people. He is not my boyfriend. Um, and he asked me, was I sexually attracted to him? And naturally my answer was yes. And then I stopped and I thought about it and I was like, no. And that's what I told him, right? And I was like, well, that's no. It's strange because like, I really, I want to commit to fully being honest with myself and other people that I care about. And I feel like naturally we just say, like we answer questions off of like what the answer should be. And then I thought about it. I was like, no, I'm not sexually attracted to you in the sense of I have no desire to have sex with you right now because I don't. So why are you dating this man you're not sexually attracted to? Because here's the thing. I honestly have no desire to have sex with anyone right now. And that's what I told him. I was like, it's really not you. Like, if you like rubbed on me, I would get wet, I'm sure. But like, as far as like me, like actually desiring you right now in that way, no, I want to be, I want to have a great time. I want to have good conversations. I want to be taken out. I want to be cared for and of, and the sex will come. But like right now, I'm not like, oh, wow. I want him to slut me out. Like, I'm just not there. And I'm not sure I'm there with anyone. Like, I can't think of anyone who I want to, like, show me a good time in the bed right now. Well, put that on your little list, honey. See if it'll pop up. <laughs> Let me out. Add it to the list. Please draw it in a couple of weeks. <laughs> <laughs> Crazy. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, sex is an interesting one, but we all have the power to decide what our ideas of sex are. You know, whether that be you are a monogamous person, whether that be you want to be in a polyamorous relationship, whether you want to be gay, lesbian, bisexual, whatever you want to do with your sex and your and your members is all up to you. And I think that society tries to control and contrive that. So, you know, question yourself with that question. Are your ideas of sex and your ideas of who you're in a relationship, how you're in a relationship with that person decided by you? or decided by others. Um, Let's see. Where do you think you came to your agreements? Um, Where did they come from? Was it like for you now that you went and you said, you know, how you felt about all of these key areas, did they come from you or did they come from a combination of what you've learned, your parents? I think that my my original set of agreements definitely came from my parents and society. I don't think, especially in areas of sex and love, I don't think it was necessarily me. Um, mm-hmm. But now that I'm aware, awareness is like the first step, right? That I'm aware, mm-hmm. I think my agreements, my current agreements today come from me. Um, there's still things that are like standards, you know what I mean? Like baseline for me that I have to be like like fight against because they've been baseline for me for 31 years. So um, there's still, you know, things that like are fighting to come to the surface that I got to be like, no, don't go back there. Cause it's, it's easy to go back to what you're used to and what's comfortable. So, yeah. Um, so yeah, that's where I'm at with that. How about you? I think 
pretty much the same. I do think that nurture plays the biggest role in this, you know, where did we come to these agreements? Where did they come from? Even if it's not completely mirroring what you saw and it's deciding to want the exact opposite, you know, definitely is where my initial thoughts of all those things came from. Absolutely. So now I think it's a good time to us to talk about some of the lies we tell. Um, you know, we, we talked about where our agreements came from and we'll talk about some of our personal agreements, but, um, what are some of the lies that you have kind of told yourself and become comfortable with that you may have realized like, wait, that's a lie. That's not the truth. Hmm. I think there's probably three really big ones for me. I think the first one is, um, I'm comfortable with my sexuality because I'm comfortable it's basically goes back to what I said about like the flirting, that part of womanhood that I feel like has been weaponized. I'm comfortable with it as long as I control it. Once it's in the hands and the perceptions of others, um, I immediately put on my girl next door costume, right? It's like, oh, like you're my brother. And oh, I think of this person as a brother. And I didn't know they liked me. I will say that I didn't know someone liked me until I'm blue in the face. And maybe like, I did know, but I've completely ignored it. It's ridiculous. Like I've probably seen it and I probably know deep down in my heart, but I'm like, no, mm -mm. he's like a brother. He's just my friend. I'm sure you've seen that, Ariel. Yeah, so. it's pretty ridiculous, guys. I was like, <laughs> I had to be like, Brittany, what is, and it's so funny. Like every time I meet any of Brittany's long-term friends, like I'm like the newer friend of her long-term friends. And I would, we always joke about it. Like whether it be, Karis, whether it be Lorraine, whether it be Monique, like we all immediately like bond on like she's ridiculous and crazy. <laughs> so this is my imitation. Brittany will be like, hi, like who's in sex? She's like, hi, how are you? Like, what are you doing? And like, oh, oh my God, hi. And we'll be like, Brittany, you were so flirting. Do you like him? Flirting? I wasn't flirting. I'm like, Brittany, you literally poured a glass of water on your white t-shirt and, and made it a white t-shirt contest in the middle of the party, but you weren't flirting. Got it. Like, so it's bad, guys. It's bad. <laughs> I'm going to own who I am and be comfortable in who I am, especially in that part of my femininity, because that's a lie that I tell myself. And you're good um, at it. And I think so another part of that <laughs> is, I think that I've said this, and maybe not have said it strongly, but like, I don't want a husband, right? Um, but I think this is these words and these feelings is something I need to be a little bit more intentional with. Because even if I'm not saying I don't want a husband, I'm also not saying I do want one. And I think that I do want a life term. I don't know why I act like husband is such a bad word, right? But I do want a long-term life partner, right? A husband. But what I don't want is another chore, right? I don't want to lose myself. I think it's important that I verbalize this better because for the most part, I am one of those people that when I say words out loud, when I say what I want, I get it. I do manifest it. And I think that it's important that I ask for what I want instead of saying that I don't want something that I do want. I just want to receive it in a certain way, right? Um, I want a partner, you know, I joke like, 
I wish I liked women because I don't want a husband. I want a wife, right? Like I want a woman, like a partner. When women are with people, we we give, we make them better. Like there's there's nothing that we don't get that we don't improve upon, right? So that's what I want in a husband, right? I want him to be my wife. I want him to be my partner. I want him to give and not just receive um, a companion, a partner, a thinker, someone I can trust. Um, so that's one of my lies that I need to correct. Um, I do want a husband. I don't know why. I think that's such, it hurt me to say the word. I want a husband. <laughs> I just also want him to, you know, pull his weight completely, not just with the money. Emotionally, I want him to pull his weight. And then I think the third one is um, a lie that I tell myself is actually one of the agreements that I always do my best and I don't. I do not completely show up as me. I do allow for situations to dim my light or for me to instinctively dim it for the comfort of others. And that is a lie that I've told myself. And it's something that I really am going to intentionally work on moving forward. I love you. I love it. I love it. It's good to talk out loud and, and, you know, kind of like unpack some of the things that you've been lying to yourself about. We all do it. I can have a list of 50 or 40 probably, but <laughs> I only know, I don't think I can. I think I'm pretty honest with myself. I, I evaluate myself very often, but here's um, three that I, I kind of talked about a little bit earlier, but um, just like this Susie Homemaker, good girl persona, you know, like I am a girl, I am a woman's woman, whatever that look, the stereotypical things of like a woman, you know, like there are parts of me that are so girly, so womanly, right? But then there's some parts where it's like, that's not me, you know, like I, when I was younger, I used to be like, oh, you know, I want to cook for my husband every night and he's going to have dinner on the table and everything's going to be organic and I'm going to, I'm going to blend my baby's food and, you know, like all this stuff. Right. And (laughs) I was like, this is who I am. And my friend was like, no, you're not like, you're not doing all that. And I'm like, yes, I am. And then I had to think about it. And I'm like, you're right. I am going to have a career. I'm still going to love my kids and take care of them, but I can be a, there's duality here. It doesn't have to be just Susie Homebreaker. Would I ever be a stay at home wife? Yes, when I have children, for but I would still have a business while I'm home. You know what I mean? So there's like always a caveat to it. So like not taking on this persona of what I think a woman should be um, and just be, you know, just be me um, in that. So that's a lie that I told myself for a really long time. But I don't think, I think I'm very aware of it and actively like push back against it with myself. Um, also back with the good girl thing when when we talk about like dancing and and me not dancing for the longest I think maybe in the last like three years I just started dancing in public like I would go out and I literally would not dance I would stay on the wall um and I would not dance and I think that it was a lot of like judgment around me um when I grew up you know because of the way my body was shaped and I didn't like it so I always tried to you know like stay as far away from things that I thought could be considered like ratchet or anything like that. But dancing is fun and free. Like, why would it be ratchet? You're allowed to dance. But it's a simple thing, but it's something that I convince myself of, right? Um, Another thing is, oh, we talked about this also, um, being passive in certain areas. You know, I talked to, I I had met a new group of friends and they're all like, your your personality is so dominant. And I was like, dominant? 
I'm not dominant. I'm so nice. <laughs> like, and Brittany was like, I had to call Brittany. I'm like, Brittany, people keep saying I'm dominant. Like, I'm just like the nicest person. And Brittany was like, you are dominant. I was like, really? Am I? You, and I'm like, yes. Right. <laughs> so that was like a lie I was telling myself that I was just like fluffy bunny. And I'm like, so sweet and nice. And although there's parts of me that are very sweet and nice, when it comes time to being dominant in certain areas, I can be very dominant. Also, let's not think of dominant as a bad word. I didn't think of it as a bad word, but I just literally didn't consider myself a dominant person. Like, I don't think- I, I, I'm going to be honest. I have no idea how Ariel does not consider herself a dominant person. But that's because Ariel knows the inside of her a little bit more than anyone else could, right? Like, because I, I think that you present very dominant. I had no idea. Perception, right? <laughs> And it was great. Everyone was like, everyone asked that question. They're like, are you freaking kidding me? Like, why are you even asking this? <laughs> but it's, it's perception. Um, Don Miguel Ruiz, he talks about how we create these virtual realities. It's who you are, who people perceive you to be, and like, what is reality? What you perceive mm-hmm. to be is so super dominant, may not even be the real what, what it is, right? Um, mm-hmm. I do think I have dominant qualities, you know, like, I don't think I'm like very passive in, you know, but I can be passive in some regards or it can be, mm-hmm. you know, like submissive in some regards, um, particularly like in relationships, but you know, you know, it is what it is. But yeah, that was a lie. I, I recently learned that I was telling myself, um, also that I don't make assumptions and I don't think to take things personally. I think okay. I try really hard not to make assumptions. I do give a lot of grace to people. I, I asked a ton of questions, you know, if I feel a certain way about something and I value who you are in my life and I don't want us to have negative energy, I will take what I think as observations, but have learned can be assumptions um, and I'll ask questions. And I think that's the most important part. Like we're not going to sit around and not think I'm an overthinker. I know that I'm a Virgo. I will put a puzzle piece together in a second. I'll go from point A to Z to D, go back to A and and end up with F. And it is not okay sometimes. I know I do it, (laughs) (laughs) but that's why I know if I know I'm like that, I have to ask questions. I have to work on thinking less and not making these grand stories up. And also, you know, just continue to ask questions because I'm not gonna be perfect with it and I'm gonna need clarification. And never be afraid to ask questions. So that's my solution for that. Um, and yeah. So I think that the good thing is that we've identified the lies, right? Be- because once you kind of come to peace with them, you start unlearning them, right? Like I, it's like AA or any alcoholics, narcotics, anonymous, the first step is admitting you have a problem. And I think that when you can say, hey, this is the issue that I need to work on and you identify it, then you can start to unlearn it, right? And then I think the next thing is really identifying what makes you act in these particular ways, right? So like, you hear in therapy or just now because so many people are more, I don't know, open with conversations. This is where it triggers, right? So I think that then when you figure out what your triggers are, then one, you know how to deal with them. And two, you also know how to avoid them so that you don't fall back into these toxic habits. And then, you know, slowly you come and you really work on strengthening 
what your new agreements are, like muscles, right? So if you're continuously squeezing them and using them and asserting them in places where you never did before, then that unlearning becomes more second nature, right? And I just feel like I'm excited to see how, you know, we identify these triggers and then we think even plan to be more of our new truths and our new agreements in the future. We're like, okay, wait, you could kind of avoid going back into like your toxic traits because you're constantly working that muscle and thinking about how to best use it. So, you know, I think that the unlearning process and documenting it is also something that really helps too, right? Like writing down in a journal, like, hey, this happened today. This is how I reacted. This is what I want to do next time so that you can prepare. I think, you know, making those small changes are really going to help us in this journey to identifying and discovering and living like our evolved selves. Absolutely. I think um, it's really important to continue to ask yourself the hard questions. If you continuously ask yourself the hard questions, you can get down to the nitty gritty. Um, Also, don't be afraid to answer those questions. Don't ask the questions and then walk away from them. Literally answer them from the most authentic place you can find, you know, Mm -hmm. Um, and it's work. We're always evolving. Be okay and be being open to that evolution. If you Mm -hmm. find yourself not evolving, that's not natural, you know? It's really not natural not to change your ideas about things. And, you know, even when it comes to relationships, partners, friendships, have people around you that are okay with that. You know, sometimes we don't realize it, but when, you know, like we see all the memes of, oh, you know, this person is changing and that person is changing and yeah, I am changing and that's okay. So, you know, you shouldn't have anybody around you who makes you feel bad for your changes. Because you can wake up tomorrow and decide to be a whole new person. That's the beauty of free will. And that is okay. Don't let me anybody make you feel bad about it. So I think that's been helpful for me. I hope it's helpful for all of us trying to go through this journey and just figuring out some of our new agreements, you know? Okay. Speaking of new agreements, since you know, we had this really good conversation. We talked about the lies, we talked about the truths, we talked about what we hold to be you know, our constitution, what are some new agreements that you're going to walk out of here with today and try and live out? I think for me, the number one thing is overarching thing over my whole life is to prioritize freedom. What does freedom Mm -hmm. look like to me in every single area? Freedom, me, Ariel as a person, what make, when, when do I feel more free and do more of that? You know, freedom and and love and relationships. I want to be in a relationship I feel like I could fly with. You know, like I want to be in a partnership who is my teammate. We bounce passing back and forth, go, go, like cheering each other on and free. Nobody should be in shackles. Nobody should feel, feel bogged down by the relationship. And if we do, we, if we find that out, have the freedom and, and, um, to let it go, you know, um, also, so yeah, freedom is very important to me, um, to stop judging myself. I feel like a lot of times it's not everyone else. Mm -hmm it's the self-judgment that gets to you, right? You know, um, whether it be, you know, and I've gotten over this, but in the past, I've been mean to myself about like weight things. I've never felt so, I'm the heaviest I've ever been in my entire life, but I've never felt so confident about my body. I'm like, you know what? That scale, honey, that scale, that scale will tell you a big truth. 
but I feel like I look beautiful still whether and Mm -hmm. you know I am trying to like lose weight and slim down but it's not because I hate what I see in the mirror it's because I think that there's a better place that could be health wise and that and that's important to me so not judging and being mean to myself in any way giving myself the same grace that I give everyone else um Mm. and then always working and never forgetting to work towards that most authentic self and trust in my gut. Those are my um, agreements that I am actively working through and moving forward feel like these are important to me. I'm going to hold you accountable. I'm so excited to see just how that growth puts you and propels you to the next level of life, you know, and how you start to get what you want. Cause I really do believe that when you are intentional and concise and you say out loud what you want, you do receive it, you know? So I'm excited. Um, I hope that, no, not I hope, I know that I will also be able to move forward uh, with these agreements. And I picked three agreements, three new agreements that I think I really need to work on in order to really get to that next level of what I consider happiness and success, right? So the first one for me is I will bask in my authentic light comfortably. I want to be comfortable with who I am at all times in front of all audiences and not dim my light, you know, to make other people comfortable. You know, I don't want to be a caricature of myself because I never seem to go to the next level in that way of anything, even if it's just growth. Um, My second agreement is I will not self-sabotage goodness with insecurity and doubt. Like if I know that something can be good for me, instead of trying to reason why it may not be good, I am going to trust my gut and just experience it and be comfortable with experiencing it you know, without demanding expectations of it, just enjoying the goodness. And then the third one is kind of very similar to that, um, but it'll help me in all of these other agreements that I have, is I will let go of things as quickly and freely as I receive them. I'm one of those people who absolutely believe that I get lots of goodness. I get lots of abundance, like abundance is something that I feel like I always have in every aspect of the word. So, there's a disconnect with how long it takes me to let go of something I no longer want, right? So that's what I definitely am going to work on. Just like I get things super quickly, I want to let them go just as quickly when they're no longer meant for me. I absolutely love that. I might have to put your, your third one on my list and add a fourth. That's, that's a Listen, really, a we can really, share. Yes, that's a really important one to learn how to let go. I don't know if any of our living listeners have that same issue, but I am like, I don't know how to let go of things, <laughs> like clothes, <laughs> like anything. Like I'm like a hoarder of people, things, places, and verbs, like anything. <laughs> anything that can be hoarded, <laughs> count on me. Um, no, uh, so I think that, I think that's beautiful. I'm so excited to see um, how all pans out for you. I feel like, you know, we can absolutely do it. We have the power. It's our life. You know, um, right now, I feel like I'm in a, on an accelerated life course. Um, <laughs> whoa, 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 guys. We talked about changing in the last um, year since the last season of The Living List. 
And um, wow, a lot has changed. And the life course has, you know, I feel like you, you ever read on Audible and it's like five times, you can make it go real. I feel like <laughs> my intention for the year was to um, disrupt and dismantle like the things that are no longer, that are not me, to remove the things from my life that are not me and really just be more closer to my authentic self. That was my intention. I asked for it. I didn't see it popping up, but then all of a sudden, all this like, like everything started going haywire. And I feel, I felt like I was on such shaky ground, but it's like that uncomfortable area that takes you to the person you're supposed to be. And I, I truly feel like I'm there and um, I'm excited that we're all kind of taking the time out to really get into that. You know what I mean? To really get into who we are and if it does not serve us and if we did not implant it there, Deuces, skedaddle, bye. L-I-G. <laughs> <laughs> so to close out the show, I really would like to leave you guys with a quote by Don Miguel Ruiz, rightfully so, because we refer to him so many times in this episode. Um, and one of his quotes are, death is not the biggest fear we have. Our biggest fear is taking the risk to be alive. It's a risk to wait for death to live because it won't happen. So let's go out there, living listeners. Let's be alive. And we are excited to live a little bit more tomorrow and the next day and see you soon. We are so grateful and so thankful that you all are part of our Living List community. We vow to do a better job in communicating with you, checking in on you, sharing our journeys on social. So make sure that you follow us at Living List Life anywhere you have a social account, because we are on there too. Um, and also visit our website, livinglistlife.com for up-to-date details. We'll have some workshopping that we want to do. We'll have some of the behind the scenes of the living list. It's just going to be a really, really good year for us. We, we're starting off strong with going into the year with our agreements, a strong first episode. On behalf of Ariel Dance, I'm Brittany Sierra, hoping you'll join us again, knowing you'll join us again on The Living List. See you next week.